This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. After two periods at Rogers Place, the Chicago Blackhawks lead the St. Louis Blues. 2-0, Corey Crawford played the first half of the game for Chicago before being replaced by Malcolm Subban. Somebody texting in, this one not televised, at least not on my cable package, but seeing some Edmonton media people in attendance tweeting about this game, it sounds like a pretty lackluster effort from the St. Louis Blues so far today. So Chicago up 2-0 after 2. Rangers and Islanders just about to face off later on tonight at Rogers Place, 8.30 start. The Canucks and the Jets will go head-to-head. Finals from earlier, the Lightning pounding the Panthers 5-0. The Capitals get by the Hurricanes 3-2. And the early game here in Edmonton, the Avalanche step by the Minnesota Wild 3-2. A lot of action early in that game. And then the Avs hold on to the one-goal lead to get the victory. We will talk to Colorado play-by-play voice Connor McGahey a little bit later on. They will be one of the top four seeds in the Western Conference, a possible first-round playoff opponent for the Oilers if Edmonton gets by Chicago. And, of course, the Avalanche, led by a couple of outstanding players this season, Nathan McKinnon, who's up for the Hart Trophy, and Kale McCarr, who is uh, an outstanding young defenseman and likely to be the uh, stalwart of their blue line for many, many years to come. So that's what's going on in the National Hockey League. The Blue Jays also in action tonight. No score for Toronto in the bottom of the seventh, taking on Washington. Now, bottom of the seventh, The Blue Jays are batting. They are the home team for this game, even though it's in Washington. Of course, the Blue Jays not quite uh, starting yet their home games in Buffalo. So today they're the home team against the Nationals. Jays 3-2 and on the season. Nationals struggling. They are coming in at 1-4. and We had an actual game last night on 630, Chad. That was a lot of fun. Hope you're able to tune in on Chad or watch it on Sportsnet or both and uh, it was always uh, it was just great to be talking to you folks again and have a live hockey game and I was pretty excited for the hockey game and for the broadcast as well and I want to talk about both and I'm happy to hear from you this evening if you want to chime in 7804960063 is the number to call or text from a standpoint of the game I thought overall pretty good by the Oilers. The old cliche, let's get off to a good start. Let's try to get that first goal. Well, the Oilers did it 64 seconds into the game. Leon Dreisaitl with a strong play down the right wing, drew a couple defenders to him, uh, pass into the middle, another pass, rebound, and a shot and a goal by Kyler Yamamoto. So Dreisaitl didn't get a point on the play, but uh, certainly... You know, got a, if they gave out three assists, you wouldn't hesitate to give them one there. And the Oilers kept the pressure on, got on the power play, and it went to work. And after a few chances, Connor McDavid able to score to make it 2 nothing. And it was on the verge of, of maybe getting out of hand in the first 12 or 15 minutes because Edmonton kept up the pressure. And then the Flames woke up and kind of said, okay, wait a minute, we're in a hockey game. We can body check. We can skate. And they got their engine going a little bit. And I don't think the Oilers were quite as thorough as they would have liked. And uh, the second period, as it went on, controlled by the Flames, and they finally got a goal in the last four seconds on the power play. But in the third, 
early pressure from the Flames. Edmonton got it settled down a little bit, got a late penalty kill, and then two goals, 33 seconds apart for the victory. So, I, I you know, I think that's kind of who the Oilers might be going into the playoffs. They are good enough that against any team, they, they certainly have the high-end skill. They have enough depth. I don't know if they have great depth, but they have enough depth and enough physicality to tilt the ice a little bit and get after it even against better teams, but they are flawed enough and, and uh, you know, maybe not quite experienced enough and, and, uh, and maybe the depth isn't quite to the level that you would like it to be that they can have the tables turned on them and they wind up on their heels a little bit, but Hey, they'll take the win. I thought the uh, goaltending was a big story last night for the Oilers. Koskinen, 17 saves on 17 shots. Couple of high-caliber saves, especially in the second period. Mike Smith, probably the tougher chances overall, made some big saves. Uh, had a shot from Johnny Goudreau go wide that would have tied it with about five minutes left in the third, and uh, he was only beaten on, on the one play. So I think the goaltending, a, a positive out of that one for the Oilers going into the weekend. We don't know who the starter is going to be. Maybe they're leaning towards Koskinen. He was a little better in the final two scrimmages, Wednesday and Saturday, and he did get the start last night. So maybe there's an indication he starts on Saturday. But the, the, both goaltenders have said it. Dave Tippett has, has said it. Both guys are going to play. I mean, we saw it during the regular say. I mean, we call it 1A and 1B. I, I don't know if it, was, if it was even 1A and 1B. It was just two guys who shared the duties, whatever whatever that would be. So look for that uh, at practice tomorrow, maybe who's in the quote-unquote starters net and uh, who Tippett uh, talks about when he does his interviews. But that is something to follow. 780-496-0063. Derek says, uh, why do you think the Chicago Blackhawks can beat the Oilers? Well, they can, and I, I think playoff experience is a factor. And they have several members on that team who have won several Stanley Cups and, and know what it takes in the postseason and, and they will be rested. I think the advantage is um, is for the Oilers as well when it comes to rest because you've had the high-minute guys, and I'm specifically thinking of Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Clefbaum, who have got to recharge the batteries a little bit. Dreisaitl or uh, the Clefbaum and, and uh, McDavid both missed some times with injuries, and I know they were over those, but I, I think a little bit more rest certainly doesn't help, but the rest will help the Hawks. The playoff experience can't hurt, and I mentioned him earlier on the show, Corey Crawford and Nat. The goaltender can always uh, steal the series. I think the Oilers have the better team. I mean, a five again in, in the uh, Eastern Conference, the five against the 12 is Pittsburgh against Montreal, and no one is giving Montreal a chance. And we're going to talk about that with Brian Wilde from Global Montreal a little bit later on. I, I think Chicago has is being given more of a chance against the Oilers than certainly Montreal is against Pittsburgh. I think you have to favor the Oilers, the higher seed. Uh, Chicago was going to be nowhere near the postseason if, if it would have got finished out over the final three and a half weeks. But those are some strengths for the Blackhawks. And, and hey, they, they have some younger players who can score and are, are pretty exciting. And a, a guy to watch, too, is the former Oiler, Drake Kajula, who uh, can be dangerous at times. But I, I think the Oilers are deeper. I, I think, you know, hopefully Ennis and Athanasiu help. And I think the line of Kara, Neil, and Chason is a line that can get in there and grind a little bit and uh, has the potential to finish some chances too. So there you go. That's how I look at that. Uh, I, I mean, we, I think we know Chicago's advantages, but I think if both teams play 
at or near 100%, I, I think you have to give the advantage to the Oilers. Anyway, here is head coach Dave Tippett on the overall performance last night against the Flames. Some good, some bad. You certainly had some some things that I uh, I like what we did. I like both our goaltenders. They uh, certainly played well. A um, couple power plays were all right. Uh, but some work to do. There's some some spots that we... Uh, had to get have to get some of the kinks out, and uh, so all in all, you know, you like to win, but it was a good game for evaluating where we are and uh, and some players where they fit and uh, some things we have to work on the next couple of days. I think Gaetan Haas was one of those players being evaluated. Riley Shane has been out since suffering some sort of an injury on Saturday in the Colby Cave Memorial Fund scrimmage game. So Haas jumped into his role yesterday, got to play on the penalty kill. Thought he had an okay game. We'd like him to, to win a few more faceoffs, I would think, but he uh, shows some resilience, blocked some shots, uh, checked, I thought, pretty well. So as, as a depth player, maybe he had a pretty good audition last night. And Philip Broberg played last night. And a shaky start for him. The Obviously, the, the tempo was higher than in the scrimmages. The nastiness was higher than in the scrimmages. He was getting banged around a lot more than he had been by his teammates in the scrimmages. Thought he had a bit of a rough first period. Settled in a little bit after that. Not nearly as dynamic as he had been through training camp. Look, he's, he's a depth guy. He's a young guy, important to the Oilers' future. Played well enough that he certainly earned a chance to be in the exhibition game last night. Get a little bit of a taste of NHL hockey against guys wearing a different logo than uh, than, your, than your own. So that's two players who I think that were uh, specifically evaluated last night. Before the game, a moment of silence and a tribute video for Colby Cave. Here's Ethan Bear. It was, uh, it was very emotional. You know, uh, Cave was a big part of our, our team and uh, he's just an un- unbelievable individual, and uh, you know, for us to honor him, it, it's and to play for him, it's uh, you know, for us that that really digs deep into us, and you know, it, it really gives us that extra push going into this playoff run. Yeah, and if you were watching on TV yesterday, you could see uh, Ethan Bear look very emotional watching the scoreboard. I thought that was a, a very classy video package put together for Cave, showing highlights from Junior Bakersfield, first goal in the NHL with the Boston Bruins, uh, the great goal he scored for Edmonton against Pittsburgh back in November. And, of course, uh, the jerseys that the Oilers wore in that game on Saturday will uh, down the road be auctioned off with proceeds going to the Colby Cave Memorial Fund. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout to- I'll get to a couple of your texts here. The phone lines are open, 780-496-0063 if you want to chime in. Happy to hear from you. Hockey's back. I have the Islanders and the Rangers on the tube. This is Inside Sports. I am grateful to be in my basement because it's probably... 8 to 10 degrees cooler than the other parts of the house. <laughs> so I bring you inside sports tonight. I was back in studio last night for the face-off show and overtime open line. I will continue to bring you inside sports from home. Happy to do it. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Some text to 780-496-0063. Mark, looking on the bright side here, he says, the Oilers actually have more recent playoff success than the Blackhawks, so you could say they have better experience. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. The uh, Blackhawks have not won a playoff series since they beat the Lightning to win the 2015 Stanley Cup. In 16, they lost in seven to the Blues. 
In 17, they were swept in the first round by the Predators. They missed the playoffs the last two years, as did the Oilers. In 2017, the Oilers ended the 10-year playoff drought with a first-round win over Anaheim and then a second-round seven-game defeat at the, hand of, uh, at the hands of the Anaheim Ducks. This texter says, do you think the teams playing in the qualifying round have an advantage over the buy teams because of the extra games to tune up? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I guess that's one of those maybe after the, the first round we'll say, oh, well, in hindsight, maybe that team had wished it played higher intensity games. I, I always think that it's it's always better to to either have a buy or play games where a loss doesn't end your season. And I'm going to talk to Connor McGahey from the Avalanche broadcast booth later on in the show the Avalanche could lose all three of their games 12 nothing, and so what? You know, they, they get to reboot. So it's it's going to be interesting, the, the, the whole idea of, of rest as well. Now, all of the round-robin teams are playing three games. If the uh, qualifying round is a sweep, it's over in three games. So in that case, like that texture says, there's actually not any extra games to tune up. I, I I would I I'd sooner be the highest seed possible. I I would have been great if the Oilers could have had those extra percentage points to finish ahead of Dallas and go into the the round robin. And, and again, it's because you're playing games that do not end your season if you lose. And the more games you play, the the more chance there is of somebody blocking a shot or taking a slash and getting knocked out of action. And if you're in a four or five game series, it's more likely that happens than if you play three of the round robin games. Good question though, and. I guess the tale will ultimately be told uh, after we see the first couple of rounds. John says, Reed, I thought for about 60% of that game, Calgary was by far the better team. I think the Oilers' high-end talent covers up a lot of mistakes. Uh, I don't think that's a viable long-term plan for success in this playoff run. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, John. I, 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 you know, I, 60%, I don't know. I mean, I, think you, you, I do think this. You have to give the Oilers credit for how well they started that game. And if, 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 if the tables had been turned... I don't know if we'd be talking about, well, the Oilers lost 4-1, but so what? They outplayed them for 60% of the game. I think we would be talking about the fact that the Oilers didn't show up for the first 15 minutes. And quite frankly, the Flames didn't show up for the first 15 minutes. So good on the Oilers for taking advantage of it and putting the Flames in that chase position. And as we've seen in the NHL, if you're behind, especially early, you often might wind up with more shots on goal and more chances. Now, yes, John, I wish the Oilers could have kept the pedal to the metal a little more and played more detailed, but let's give the Oilers credit for how they played and for finishing their chances and for the goaltending. I I do think your overall, the overall thesis of your remark is sound though, John. Uh, And you said, I don't think that's a long-term viable plan for playoff success. That's a fair comment. I think that's why Ken Holland really tried to beef up the depth starting last summer and then in season. Obviously, Shane and Archibald helping a little bit with depth, helping with the penalty kill. James Neal uh, signed to bring in a little bit more scoring. And then the trade deadline acquisitions, or uh, Neal was traded for, I should say, to, to bring in a little more scoring. And then Ennis and Athena see you at the deadline. So there's just five forwards listing off the top of my head that Holland acquired that are hoping to, to round out the roster, add a little more variety and hopefully a little more scoring depth to support the big three guys. By the way, do we put Yamamoto into the, in the big category now? Is it a big four when it comes to point production for Edmonton? I wonder where he fits. I mean, he had almost a point a game in the regular season and scored again last night, but John, uh, 
fair comment, I think, about the overall composition of the Oilers roster. Are they at the stage right now where they can really grind it out for for 19 playoff wins? I I do believe the Oilers are capable of beating anybody in a playoff series. If they get by Chicago, though, here's the question. Are they capable? I'm just going to randomly pick an order. Are they capable of beating Dallas, St. Louis, Vegas, Boston? Like, that would be pretty daunting if if that's the Oilers' potential road. I don't think they're quite there yet. I I think they would need uh, some exceptional goaltender and maybe a player or two to go on a Pisani-like surge like we saw in 2006. You know, a player who was an okay scorer in the regular season all of a sudden is scoring seemingly every time he touches the puck. Archibald Ennis, somebody like that. Fair comment, John. I think that's that's a really good discussion point. Uh, the Big L says, Reed, let's evaluate after a layoff of over more than four months. I thought overtime open line went well. You were consistent and carried most of the play. Rob was his usual sharp self at times but staticky for stretches and downright absent on a few occasions. He's got to be all in come Saturday. Good thing it was an exhibition game, so not, not too many big league texts or calls to field. Have to take it up a couple notches for the playing around and be prepared for the likes of JP. And uh, it's it's not Boston Rob, it's Scott from Boston, the big L. Isn't, wasn't Boston Rob on Survivor? He was the guy from Survivor, yeah. Which, by the way, I don't watch, but I hear enough pop culture references. Yeah, we, but you know what? I thought we had a pretty solid broadcast last night, and I, I was actually probably more concerned about some of the technical stuff than I was my own performance, which maybe wasn't a wasn't a great approach. Uh, we had a couple glitches with Rob, but we'll work to get those uh, those ironed out. I, I do think it sounded great with Jack and Bob, and and like I said earlier, to me, it sounded like they were. They were at the rink, which was nice. 780-496-0063. Keep your feedback coming. Happy to be talking with you. Matthew Barnaby in the next half hour of the show. Chicago now leading St. Louis 3-0, five and a half minutes into the third period. Don't forget Oilers Blackhawks on 6.30, Chad. Saturday, 11 a.m. face-off show. The game will start at 1. Islanders and Rangers, there was just a fight. Boychuk against Lemieux. No score, five minutes left in the first. Later at Rogers Place, the Canucks against the Jets. Earlier, Avalanche got by the Wild 3-2. The Lightning pounding the Panthers 5-0. Washington won 3-2 over the Hurricanes. The game's tomorrow. It'll be the Predators against the Stars, Boston against Columbus, and the Golden Knights will take on the Coyotes. The Blue Jays and Nationals scoreless in the bottom of the eighth. The game is in Washington, but the Blue Jays are batting in the bottom of the inning as they're the home team for this one before they settle into Buffalo. And at the Canadian Elite Basketball League tournament in St. Catharines, the Edmonton Stingers Leading the Hamilton Honey Badgers. That is one of my favorite team names in sports. The Honey Badgers. 71-61 with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Quick scoreboard update on Inside Sports. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Well, this is always fun. Matthew Barnaby, former player, now broadcaster, is on the line. Matthew, you're on with Reed. How's life, man? I'm good, Reed. How are you doing? 
I'm doing quite well. I'm just, I, I got to tell you, I, I've never been so excited to read an out of town. Well, and some of those games are in town. I've never been so excited to read a score. Three different sports, not just hockey, baseball and basketball too. It's fun. It's awesome. It's It's been a crazy year. Obviously, 2020 is going to go down one for the ages, but uh, it, it's crazy. It's awesome. We're in July. We're going into August. We have hockey, obviously, for us or for myself. Uh, we have all sports coming back. So it's been a crazy year, but uh, I'm so excited to have hockey back and real excited to be watching it and betting on it and having fun. <laughs> Uh, now, were you ever an excellent athlete, or are you still an excellent athlete in any other sport, or was it all hockey all the time for you? No, I was I was probably a better baseball player than anything um, growing up. I was probably better at baseball than, than hockey. It just uh, made sense for me. I think being Canadian, I loved it more than anything. I love being a hockey player. Um, I love to play golf probably more than anything now, uh, but I've always been uh, a multiple uh, sport athletes but uh certainly hockey i love i love baseball uh but golf now is probably my favorite only because i'm not as good at hockey anymore i'm not as good at baseball anymore uh but i love all sports what position were you in baseball i was pitcher and shortstop so yeah i'm not as good as ryan dempster obviously <laughs> I, I i threw the ball around with him a little bit and he can zing it a little little faster than i could but i was a shortstop i was a leadoff hitter fast guy not a lot of power uh from these skinny little legs ryan dempster's been on inside sports with me a few times he's uh he's very knowledgeable very entertaining to talk to and i love how you said the the zip he puts on the ball i remember an interview with kurt schilling probably 15 years ago now kurt Chris Schilling, I don't think ever had a problem telling you that he was a pretty good pitcher, but he did. His the point. The point of the interview was he said he goes, you know, he goes, whatever fans can boo me and heckle me. He said eighty percent of the average fan couldn't even play catch with a major leaguer. I don't know if it's eighty percent, but I, but I think we'd be stunned at the pace they can put on the ball. Uh, here, here's what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to go ninety-nine point nine percent could never play catch with a major league, not only pitcher, just a player, I've never seen. I, I, I don't get scared very often. I'd rather fight Stu Grimson or George LaRocque every night of the week than throw a ball from 60 feet with the way these guys throw. And Kurt Schilling, he, he wouldn't be afraid to tell you that he's a Republican either. Yeah, he's uh, he's had an interesting... Uh, didn't he own a video game company that went bankrupt or something too he's had a lot of uh a lot of varied experiences i guess in his life <laughs> anyway I'm, I'm meandering a bit here with you i'm gonna i'm gonna have fun with this question though because i've asked a few guys this ex-players what would have been the biggest issue for matthew barnaby the player through the pause in the season what would have been most challenging wow i i, I guess staying focused just knowing i i'm very goal oriented i'm very structured i i love waking up at 7 a.m I love working out. I, I love knowing what my day is, is going to behold in front of me, not knowing what the day is going to look like, not knowing what the, the week is going to look like, and then certainly not knowing what the months ahead are going to look like. Probably would have been the biggest 
uh, issue for Matthew Barnaby, speaking in third person, would have been uh, if you lay out a goal and I know what it's going to be, it's pretty easy and I'm very structured. When I don't have structure, then I kind of stray. I, I don't know which way to go. So that, that would have been the biggest difficulty for me, knowing that they were coming back. I would have been able to restructure, but it would have been a tough adjustment uh, for myself and getting ready for the season. How would have you been with this going into the bubble, into a hub city? I mean, certainly now it's kind of still new to the guys and they're getting used to it. The longer you're there, the better you're doing in the playoffs, but the longer you're separated from family, friends, your house. I mean, Mike Smith said on the weekend, it was pretty weird to pack his suitcase to drive 10 minutes from his house in Edmonton to check into a hotel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that would have been tough. I mean, I... I obviously we all we all love our kids uh you know i i guess depending on the age um that they are it would have been nice sometimes to get away from a one and a three-year-old and and move into a hotel and you leave your wife you're like packing up going hey it, it, it's all on you good luck uh, I'll, I'll see you in a few months um you miss your family but it, it, it's a job and something you love to do and everyone wants a chance of winning a stanley cup that's why we we do what we do. There, there's different circumstances always that play into it that are different for others. Like guys have um, wives that are that are pregnant or girlfriends that are pregnant and, and expecting a baby. Th- those are different circumstances that, you know, you have to be a one individual going in. But all things being equal, if I'm going into the playoffs and, and my kids are young, they're, they're, let's just say they're one in four, I can leave my family for a couple months with a chance to win a Stanley Cup and provide for my family. I, 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 I we have FaceTime. We're we're in a we're in a we're in a situation right now where we we're not like we were 40 years ago where you can't see them. We can still see our family. We can still talk to them. And uh, I I would love the opportunity. I'd be okay with leaving my family, going into a bubble, not seeing them for a couple months with the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup and also provide for my family and do what I, I, I love to do, and that's play hockey. We've done some great interviews in the past, Matthew, about the role you played in the NHL and you knew you had to to agitate and be aggressive and all those kinds of things. For guys who play that way, Will, it, will the energy be different for them without fans? Because some guys know that if they're getting booed by 18,000 people, they're having a great night, right? And they're not going to get that feedback. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love that aspect of it. I, I also love the aspect that you're going to maybe catch a few things on the air that maybe you wouldn't catch before. And I know there's a five-second delay, but, you know, just being in the era that we are, I'd probably, you know, liven that up a, a bit as well. And, you know, it, uh, I, 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 the, the third and fourth liners might have a tough time not drawing, you know, that, that, that support from the fans, that energy from the fans. And I, I watched the games today, and if I'm, I'm a big better. I, I love betting on hockey. I love betting on all sports. And I watched the games today, and I'm probably going to lean more towards the more talented team because you can draw that energy. So they have to find those role players myself being included in the day in finding a way to draw energy energy is a big part of the playoffs it's probably the biggest thing that we are going to miss from the playoffs is the energy from the fans 
from within the game and and the way that the momentum shifts from from within the game it doesn't carry on from game to game but it does shift from from inside the game or inside a period to the next period so i think that's the biggest thing for guys to adjust but i would have loved to be there and people hear actually what i actually said now i probably would have fine a few times and i'm okay with that but that's the biggest part um that i probably would have had to deal with Matthew Barnaby joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, so Edmonton and Chicago is going to start on Saturday. I had a few people texting in in the first half hour about Chicago's playoff experience, what what their biggest threats are for the Oilers to deal with. Uh, I mean, obviously they got Kane. They have some dangerous players. They have experience. I, I do think Edmonton's the better team. I don't think I'm a homer there, Matthew. It is the five against the 12, yep. but I am curious how you see this series. Well, Chicago shouldn't be in the playoffs, right? They're like Montreal. Those are two teams that shouldn't be in the playoffs. Now, having said that, I bet against uh, Chicago tonight. I bet on St. Louis, and it's an exhibition game. But uh, they're the only team that cost me money tonight. So, uh, But I, I'm all Edmonton. I, I think they're the more talented team. I think they're a younger team. I think they, um, the speed that they have. And, and you know, we can talk about experience. I don't think experience is going to play as much into this playoffs as 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 normal i i I really don't think experience is a part of this i watch these games that i'm watching it's pond hockey it's it looks like a scrimmage they all look like scrimmages it'll always have an asterisk against it um but i think experience is playing in front of fans i think it's playing in the moment in front of it and the nerves I don't think those nerves are going to be there as much as normal. I think it's going to be a, a glorified scrimmage with really good hockey players, but I'm always going to go to the, the, the best team and who I feel is the best team. Edmonton is a better team. They're faster. They're younger. I think they have a better power play. Yes, Patrick Kane's been there before. He's electric. Jonathan Taze, you watched tonight, um, come through. But uh, I'm Edmonton all the way here. My money is going on Edmonton. I will be laying it that way. I will be putting it on my Twitter on my podcast um i'm an edmonton fan in this series all the way okay so put on your uh, fictional coaching hat here because the Oilers in the second half of the season pretty successfully split up with david and dry they're hoping to give mcdavid some extra firepower with having nugent hopkins on his line here if who, who would you put taves out against or, or what do you think Collington will do uh, i i would put him against mcdavid i mean i i don't think you know, the MVP in the year this year has been Dreisaitl, and rightfully so. I, I think he really shook off um, the notion that he just lives off of McDavid. Um, he's a terrific player. He's smart. He's an elite passer. Um, he's really improved his skating over the last couple of years. He's an elite player in the league. He, I mean, he's unbelievable. But you know, the best player in the National Hockey League, bar none, is Connor McDavid. So I'm playing Jonathan Taves uh, against the best player in the world. That's Connor McDavid. So that's my matchup. I pray for the rest to all go my right way. But uh, if I'm Edmonton and Dave Tippett, I said at the start of the year, uh, the best coaching hire in the league was getting Dave Tippett. He's that good. I played it with him under him in Dallas. Um, great guy, great coach. And there's no, no surprise they are where they are. And For me, he was the coach of the year going into the season.
Yeah, I wonder where, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fourth or fifth when they unveil the final votes for the Jack Adams. Let's revisit that, and and I know I talked to you about it earlier in the season, but I do think since we're going into the playoffs, it's it's worth bringing up about about your experience with Tippett and why you think he's such a strong coach. Well, I think he's he's just an honorable man, first and foremost. He's very well prepared. Um, He demands work ethic. He He demands that all his top players play both sides of the puck and you can be a star. You'll get a little bit of lenient and you should Connor McDavid and dry They are superior offensively than anyone else. You have to give themselves leniency, but he treats everyone with respect, but he demands that you play hard and you play the right way. And um, he's just a very honest man. And that's, that's why I like him. That's why I love him as a coach. I love him as a person. And that's why I thought with the hire that they had with the youth they had in the youth of superstars, uh, that he'd be a great fit. And uh, it's no surprise that they are where they are. And it will be no surprise if they move on and they contend for a Stanley cup. They're that good. They're that talented. Do they lack some, you know, maybe some depth throughout the lineup? Yeah. Probably a little bit. Are they a little young to maybe challenge for a Stanley Cup? Yeah, maybe. But would it surprise me if they're in the Western Conference final? Absolutely not. Challenging for a Stanley Cup? Absolutely not. He's very well prepared, a great guy, and he has some of the horses he can rely on. Matthew, before I let you go, Matthew Barnaby joining us in Inside Sports, and people can follow you on Twitter. Well, most people probably are because you have almost 90,000 followers. It's uh, at MattBarnaby3636, and you also have Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby, the podcast. Tell us how that's going. It's going great. We took a little break just prepping for the playoffs. It's going to be crazy busy, but... uh... Yeah, it's not for 18 and under, let's just say that. So if you're <laughs> prepared for the unfiltered version of what I really think, um, it, it, it's a good avenue to listen. But uh, thank you guys for having me, or thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Good luck to Edmonton fans. you got a great team, and uh, look forward to watching all of this. It's going to be crazy. Just an insane few months coming our way. It's going to be awesome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Matthew. Pleasure to talk to you. That is Matthew Barnaby checking in tonight. Yeah, really good to get his perspective. Quite uh, high praise for Dave Tippett. Matthew really enjoyed having him as a coach, and uh, you heard him say it. He, he recognizes some of the Oilers' flaws that we were talking about. Are they really, really deep enough to, to go all the way? I mean, he brought that up as a concern, but he likes the roster quite a bit. Good to talk to Matthew Barnaby. We've been going across the country over the last couple of weeks on Inside Sports to all the Canadian cities who have a team in the playoffs. Montreal will be our final stop tonight. You'll remember this guy, Brian Wild, used to work here in Edmonton, now with Global Montreal. He's coming up later on. 780-496-0063 is how you can participate by calling or texting. We're back after the break. bit of Fozzie coming back from break. Good song. Blue Jays and Nationals still scoreless now on the bottom of the ninth. Only three hits per team in that one. Max Scherzer went seven and a third for Washington. Ten strikeouts. 
Pearson started for Toronto. He went five innings, gave up a couple of hits, two walks, struck out five. The Blue Jays have gone through four relievers since then. We'll keep you updated on that one. And uh, at Rogers Place, late in the third, 4 nothing, Chicago leading St. Louis. I'm not able to watch this one. Uh, I'm following Twitter, a few people who are there. And it uh, sounds like the uh, St. Louis Blues have uh, not been at their best in this exhibition game. Interesting text here from Davis to 780-496-0063. He says, Reed, I feel like Oilers fans are being too modest when it comes to the series against the Blackhawks. There is zero doubt the Oilers have a better team. They're not playing the team that won the Stanley Cups. They're playing a team that was going to miss the playoffs by double digits. Oilers in three. I'm not afraid to say it. How about that, Kellen? Davis throwing it down. Throwing it down. He's, he's saying we're being too, too cautious and giving the Hawks too much credit. Davis, I have a tendency to agree with you, though. I, I don't see Chicago really giving us too well, much Well, the Oilers should win. Like I said, yeah. if, if both teams play at their maximum, uh, the Oilers should win that series. Right. So anyway, the Hermit says, Evening read, I was nothing but impressed by last night's broadcast. A few glitches with Rob, but I'm sure that will be addressed. It was awesome to hear some live hockey on my old radio. Howling Jack is a beauty. Howling Jack, that's quite the nickname. That was fun. Jack and Bob in studio. Uh, Rob was on the line. Yeah, we lost Rob a couple times, so we'll get that. Uh, we're, we're using a lot of different ways to connect people to the station at this point, and sometimes they, they don't always uh, gel together, but we'll get there. Man, our engineers, uh, Mike Evans, Sean Alford, Grant Ranson, just did an incredible job putting together the, I guess we call it a temporary broadcast studio for Jack and Bob to call the games. Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, was back in the saddle last night. You worked really hard at it, Kellen. So so thanks to everybody. Mm-hmm. So many people behind the scenes to to get these games on the air. And and I'm curious to moving forward with some of the television coverage. I had Steve Mayer on the face-off show last night, Kellen. He's so cool to talk to. and. He is. They're not done. It's uh, clearly these exhibition games, they have not unveiled everything. And even on Saturday, that's not a finished product. They're going to keep tweaking and adding and subtracting if something isn't working. Uh, and then Buble's doing the anthems for Edmonton, Chicago. Yeah. Michael Buble. <laughs> and what do they say they're doing? If it's two American teams, they will do still do the Canadian anthem because the games are being played in Canada. Oh. If right it's on. if it's a Canadian versus an American team, obviously they'll do both. And if it's two Canadian teams, they'll they'll just do the Canadian anthem. So that's how that's going to work. And because we had somebody asking about the anthems the other night, and he said it'll be a combination of somebody live from another location and other anthems from this season, perhaps played on tape. So that's how that will work. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Montreal Canadiens. Oh, I got to answer this text first. Uh, Brian says, Reed, I thought I was losing my mind while you were talking to Rob. I was like, do I hear a bird? It was a bird. <laughs> I, I asked Rob about it because it was to the point where I had to say something. I thought it was either a bird or a dog playing with a squeaky toy. Turned out to be a bird. Anyway, the Montreal Canadiens, what do the Habs fans want? Do they want Lafreniere or do they want to beat Pittsburgh? I'll ask Brian that when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.